You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Hello there, Flow Theory Podcast listeners. I'm Wade Peary. This is part two of our interview with former Hawaii quarterback and college football legend, Colt Brennan. I saw on your Instagram page, you posted that clip where you were celebrating with one of your O-linemen, and then you you said something to one of the Arizona State players, number 77, after you guys had just scored. Tell me what <laughs> you said to him. I always love hearing you know, about a little smack talk. I mean, I remember, it's funny, Marcus Riley was a great linebacker at Fresno State, and um, he laid me out my senior year, and I was unconscious for like two minutes on the field. And then I got to see him a couple of years later at the Pro Bowl. And, and we obviously had a lot of respect for each other. And he reached out to me yesterday, too. And he was like, yo, man, what'd you say to him? And, and so I wrote to him. I'm like, you know, I, I know I was cussing up a storm to him. I just I just know that I ended with bitch. And, uh, <laughs> before, and before I could really, uh, my lineman, which I love, which is great about the video and why I have the Galileo quote, that I was on the shoulder of giants. Is that uh, Hercu- Hercules Satele? No, no Samson Satele. Okay. He, he started, he started for a number of years in the NFL as with the center. dolphins, right? The dolphins and the Raiders. He was there when I went to the Raiders too, which was awesome. Yeah. Like what I love about the quote is here. I am trying to talk trash to this guy. And before I can even finish my lineman with the braided down, uh, braids coming down the back of his helmet comes storming in, you know, and it was, that was what was great about my junior year, man. The the polys that I had around me, man, hey man, they took such pride in taking care of me, man. And 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 it was like, oh man, I remember they also like my junior year, the O line had this like the running back and O line had a technique where if their responsibility came on pass protection and, and their responsibility didn't come, well then they would just turn down the line and light someone up. And I always remember playing Purdue, and it was like they just didn't want to rush anymore because they were getting so messed up by my O-line and my my running backs. And it was like I had never experienced that ever in football, where the D-line and the linebackers were like, man, we don't want to rush. We're sick of getting beat up. And and so that was the type of mentality my, my O-line had. And obviously coming from a place like Hawaii, you know, there's not really racial prejudice here by any means, but you know, it, it can be hard to be a white guy and go into a place with locals and stuff. But luckily, I was able to format myself, you know. And, and then there was always a joke, you know, my, my junior and senior year when we would go out to places that, you know, late night places where we'd have fun and stuff and dance. And, and they're like, oh, what do you call five Simones in a, in a white guy? The quarterback was the joke, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, but it was fun because, you know, you could go out there, you could have a blast. You wouldn't have to worry about some local guy getting upset because it was like, you know, you see the biggest, baddest dudes in this place, he's with them, you know. And so it was pretty awesome growing or having those guys. And we're all very close friends today. And, yeah, man, it was great playing with them. And, and I got stories for days about how great those guys are. You know, it's it's good that you talked about the offensive line because I was watching one of your old games in the past couple of days. and. I think it was Ron Franklin, the play-by-play announcer, said that June Jones said that one year your offensive line was the best that he had had in nine years. I think that's my junior year, no doubt. Yeah, exactly, junior year. No doubt. They were unbelievably great. 
All right. And um, I know you mentioned Marcus Riley hitting you. Uh, who Marcus Riley hit you the hardest? And talk about the time that Marcus Howard hit you in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, man. Marcus Howard, man, that guy was an animal, dude. And uh, he ruined my draft stock that year. <laughs> um, he ran one of the fastest 40 times ever recorded by a DN in the, in the combine. He was, he was um, a really good player, man. Yeah, he was a tremendous player. And, and you know, all the speculation came out. What happened to Hawaii? Well, dude, their DN ran a 4-3 or whatever. You know, like. Yeah, it, they, it they, was, were, you know, they had some beasts on that roster, bro. And, you know, yeah, it's like no matter what O-line you have, dude, when you got a guy like that, especially in a pass-happy offense, he's going to cause problems. And he did that the whole night. He caused problems. I, I don't remember. But, the, you know, I look at that game, it was obviously disappointing, and we wanted to showcase ourselves in a much better way, but we got hit in the mouth, and, you know, the only thing, good thing I can say about it is I got, I got, I got beat up that game, but I took it like a man. And I remember, like, in the, the, the third quarter, fourth quarter, there was a TV timeout, and me and my receiver, C.J. Hoffman, were talking to Coach Riggs, and uh, he was like, bro, we respect you guys a lot. And I even read, I think, you know, that Georgia had said, man, that kid's tough. You know, that quarterback's tough. And so, you know, even though it wasn't, uh, it was obviously my worst game I ever had in my college career. It sucks to be your last, but at least I took that beating like a man. Yeah, dude, Marcus Howard, he had, he had a play in that game where he set the tackle up like he took a step to the outside and then yeah, he came inside. He came inside to the strong side of God. He blasted you, dude. I mean, I was like, jeez. Yeah. yeah, no, he was a great football player. He was exceptional, dude. That Georgia team was loaded. I mean, they had no Sean Marino, Matthew Stafford, Sean Bailey. I mean, listen, you guys had one of the one of the most historic football seasons of all time. So there's nothing to be ashamed of what you guys did on the football field. I mean, you set 31 records in your NCAA career. I was telling a buddy that stat the past few days. He was like, God damn. Being in college was an epic experience, not only because we were successful, but it, it did two things. One is my, my teammates were so epic and they were so awesome. And we had so much fun as a team. And when you win, it, it takes care of everything. You know what Vince Lombardi said, winning isn't a sometimes thing, it's an all the time thing. And when you do win, it takes care of everything. And, and we watched, the other thing was the islands just came alive my junior and senior year. And I remember listening to guys that lived on the North shore that talked about game day driving in my senior year. And, and they would be coming in over the, the hill into, into pro city area where, where, where the stadium is. And, and, uh, Pearl Harbor is right there, you know, right behind the stadium when you're taking this drive. And they said, it looked like, it looked like a war zone when you were driving in on game day, because, you know, my last two games, the, the stadium was sold out. And it's the only time in the history of college football that Hawaii rushed the field. And, um, yeah, it was a magical couple of years there. And, and I, I got lifetime friends because of it. And being in a place like Hawaii that, you know, people will call paradise. It's just awesome to have my roots here and to, to get a chance to know the people and, and respect the lifestyle here. The people are amazing here. I'm so grateful because of that that I came back from my senior year. And I'm so grateful for the, the time I got to share with my teammates and the people of Hawaii. Yeah. Colt, you got to play with three guys that were, in my opinion, three of the top 100 
all-time college football receivers, Ryan Grice Mullen, Devon mm-hmm. Bess, and Jason Rivers. Their, oh, st- yeah. their stats in 2007, Ryan Grice Mullen had 1,372 receiving yards. Devon Bess had 1,266 yards. And Jason Rivers had 1,174 yards. There, are, in, in all of college football history, there are only five trios that have had over a thousand yards receiving between them, and Hawaii had one of those. How's that make you that's feel? Awesome. No, that's awesome. And those those three guys you named, man, they were, you know, I I know Devon went on and had a pretty good uh, NFL career, um, but I thought all three of them could have been in the NFL and had great careers. I know Ryan Grice Mullins got up to Canada and had a good year up there and did some good things, but he's a sheriff now. Jason Rivers is still here in Hawaii, but. Those three, I was, you know, as, as much as, you know, the accolades can come to the quarterback, you know, I was surrounded by some of the best talent, both on the O-line. My junior year, I had two amazing running backs. I think both of them averaged over either seven or eight yards a carry that year. The receivers I had all three years, but especially my senior year, because we had had time under our belt, me, Jason, and and, and, and Ryan, um, and even C.J. Hawthorne was a DB who stepped in his senior year as a receiver and became a great receiver for us. Um, but the, the bond we had, the relationships we had, the love we had for each other, you know, it'll transcend, it'll transcend a lifetime. And, um, you know, I think that's why we were so successful is we loved each other as much as we loved playing with each other. Yeah. Your guys chemistry together, honestly, some of the best I've ever seen between a quarterback and his receivers. It was, it was really a thing of beauty watching you guys play. Talk about, I rewatched the whole Hawaii Washington game when you, it was all on the line. You guys were undefeated at that point at home and the $4 million prize to go to the BCS bowl was all on the line. Talk to me about that Washington game and how crazy that was. Yeah, that was crazy because uh, we thought we were going to come in and roll and we got hit in the mouth real early and, 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 Washington did a great job taking advantage of it. I think we had a couple fumbles that were really, really, you know, broke the, the spirit of us early on. And basically, Washington was able to capitalize and uh, they had some good talent. You know, maybe they weren't the best. They didn't have the best team record, but they, you know, this is a Pac-10 at the time school and they had tons of talent. Jake Locker was the quarterback. Um, they had some good receivers. They obviously had some talent. And, um, we had those two fumbles, I believe, in the first half that allowed them to really capitalize. And, and uh, I think I had a fumble and, and uh, one of our running backs had a fumble. I think so. I, but anyways, uh, they were able to capitalize. And, um, or maybe it was too late. Anyway, either way, they, uh, they got up on us early. And I think it was 28-7 to 7 in, the, in the second quarter. You're right. And, You're then, right. And, and then we were able to go down and score just before half to make it 28-14. And then in the second half, we came out and we let it loose. And um, we ended up getting the touchdowns we needed to win the game. And to make that comeback just showed a lot about us that year because we had some tough games that year where we had to really rise up and, and, and answer the call. And in my junior year, we lost three games that were all very, very close. We lost to Alabama at Alabama that came down to the last play of the game. We lost to Boise State, which came down to the last minutes of the game. And we lost to Oregon State, which was another shootout. I think it was 35-32 or something like that. And um, 
we ended up, you know, really learning a lot from that experience. And, and I think going into my senior year, I know we had a lot Louisiana Tech early. We had San Jose State where we, you know, the, the chances of us losing were there. But we rose up and we got the job done. And then to ca- uh, catapult us to, to that position we were in against Washington, for us to, to crawl back just shows, you know, the, the unity of the team we had. We all kind of believed that we could do it. And um, even when the chips were down, we, we rallied and came back and won it. And the jubilation across Hawaii was, was you know, it's a lot of great football cities out there, a lot of great colleges. And it was, but it, it felt unmatched here. It was a, an epic experience. And I was just grateful to be a part of it and um, to have the team and, and kind of the success to represent Hawaii. And there's just nothing better than that. And it was, it was an amazing experience. Walk me through that pass, the pass that put you guys up to uh, Ryan Grice Mullen. It was funny rewatching that oh, yeah. tape. I noticed how Ryan Grice Mullen went up to the referee and kind of grabbed him. I was curious what yeah. he, what he said to the referee. I think he was trying to uh, let the ref know he wasn't going to dance or, or you know, like I think he was trying to be like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not going to over celebrate. Don't throw a flag on us." You know, like it was such a great comeback. I think when we were getting down in the goal line, we were noticing they were playing a lot of man. And so it actually is funny because it was that same play I talked about early on in this broadcast with uh, San Jose State. It was the go route. And when they're in man like that, you can get a rub on that middle receiver and the inside receiver where he, he's coming off the back of that middle receiver. And it, it creates a, a hard hard time for the, the, the inside guy guarding that inside receiver to, to get to the flat and guard it. And I remember uh, me and June were over there. I think even June said this after the game, but he's like, Colt, or Coach, I said, like, Coach, they're in man. Let's just run go. And it was the go route. And um, and, and everything, you know, we, we ran, I think, a, a return motion where the guy came down and then came back. So the D back was following them. So we knew it was man coverage. And then they ran that, that combination. And, and Ryan, I just knew I had to get it out quick and, and right on target to Ryan. And then, yeah, I remember that he ran up to the ref and he kind of, I think he, the stadium just went off, you know, 50,000. Oh yeah. The place, ex- the place exploded. And I think Ryan was just trying to let him know that he wasn't going to, you know, over celebrate or, or get crazy or anything like that. And the crazy part about the game is now there's only like 20 or 30 seconds left and we kick it off. And then Jake Locker throws a dime down the sideline and brings it to our goal line within like 10 seconds. And luckily though, um, the last play of the game, the ball got deflected in the air and one of our DBs was able to intercept it and the game was over. And then it was just pandemonium across that field and across that state. And I've heard some great stories um, about it over the years. And so, yeah, it was just, it was a great moment because we set out to go 12 and 0 and uh, that was our mission from day one. And, and we were challenged along the way and to accomplish that it was, it was, it was quite, quite an awesome experience. Yeah, I tell you what, man, myself and and uh, college football fans across the country, it really uh, made my heart fill with so much joy to watch you guys go undefeated. Because like you said, you guys were so battle-tested throughout the season. I mean, there were so many incredibly close games for you guys. I think you had like four or five games that were like a touchdown or less or something like that. You had a couple of games yeah. go to OT. I mean, it was... Man, sweating bullets throughout your guys' season, but I was just so excited to see you guys finish it off. 
Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I think it was those early moments where we had a couple of those uh, overtime games and we really had to rise up that it kept us humble through the process of our senior year. And uh, we knew that we couldn't give up fighting until the last play of the game when the, when the clock hit zero. So we, I think it, it really got us ready for what transpired toward the end of the season. But, um, but it, it, was, it was a great run with a great, great number of teammates and uh, great coaches, and it was a testament to Hawaii and what a special place this is. Talk to me a little bit about Jerry Glanville, Colt. I, I'll be yeah. honest, man. Out of all the defensive coordinators I've gotten to watch over the years, like Jerry Glanville's defenses fascinated me because there was something that that guy would teach to where the defenders would just hit like their hair was yeah. on fire. I was like, holy shit. How is this guy yeah. coaching these dudes to hit this hard? Like, blew me away, dude. I got nothing but respect for Jerry Glanville because I loved watching his defenses play at Hawaii. No doubt. Jerry Glanville was an awesome guy um, and a great coach. And we as players, we loved the fact that he was on our team. We enjoyed him immensely. And, you know, every day of practice here in Hawaii, you practice at 7 in the morning, bright and early in the morning. When I was at Colorado, you, you know, you don't go to practice till after school, right? 3 o'clock, you know, in the afternoon or whatever. But with us here, because of the time change, because we have to get used to going to the mainland and waking up for early games and waking up really early, you know, we obviously practice at 7 a.m. every morning, which means you got to be at the facility by 5.30, if not earlier, you know. And so – one, it keeps guys out of the riffraff that can get you in trouble. It keeps guys out of the, you know, the, the late night places and stuff like that because you got practice every morning. But when we would wake up and go to practice, he brought so much energy and so much excitement to practice. And uh, I know the, the guys love playing for him. And, and I would go in. He was one of those guys I'd love to go into his office and just sit down and listen to him tell me about, you know, he, he's, a, he's a real man. And he would uh, – he would scout grizzlies in the Northwest and he would tell me stories all about that. And he had these awesome stories and I just love sitting down, listening to him. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed him being on the team and he's iconic, you know, and God, the, the NFL mic'd up his days were just some of the best lines ever in, in pro football. And, and uh, he would tell me about one time he was uh, tracking this grizzly and the grizzly confronted him and he was in a black hoodie. And he said, he like, he stood up and he put his hands up and he was making all this noise. And, and he said that there were some either hikers or maybe hunters that, that watched the ordeal from afar and that they thought he was an elk, you know, <laughs> and uh, the grizzly ended up turning away and walking away. And, and then, but, but that, that was Jerry Glanville. He'd go toe to toe with the grizzly and win. So uh, he was an amazing man. That's hilarious. I'm I'm not surprised, man. Watching that guy's defenses, I, I just that's the one thing that really jumped out at me whenever watching Jerry Glanville's defense is just how hard the players hit. Like I was just blown away. I was like, God, these guys D hits. I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. For sure. And it, you know, his style embraced Hawaiian style because uh uh, Hawaii is a physical place. And when you watch the, the younger kids grow up and stuff, being tough is, is a part of it. And, you know, they'll call it scrapping out here with fighting. They fight a lot. They scrap a lot when they're young. And uh, they really took it to his style of football. And, and they definitely played with 
with that energy come game day. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, watching all the film of you guys uh, past couple days brought back some real memories. One of my favorite players to watch for you guys. I mean, I, I know the receivers and then you were obviously great, but uh, Kialoa Polaris, man, I oh, yeah. loved watching that guy play and he never set any records, but God damn, that guy was good. No, Kialoa was a special guy, still is. Um, he is, yeah, he was very, very awesome. And he was young. I think he may have only been like a redshirt freshman my senior year. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think that, you're right, Colt. I think you're right. He, so he was young, but God, we knew he was special. And, um, you know, he had more of a, a controlled role my senior year, but, uh, you could tell he was going to be a great player. And, um, I got a chance, uh, UH football was inducted to the Hall of Fame, not this fall, but last fall, so two falls ago. And we all got together at a, at a UH game, and, and um, we were introduced at halftime. And, and um, it was awesome seeing Kealoha. He was he's such a great guy. He had the dreads. He, he, he was uh, just a really great spirit. He represented Hawaii and the people of Hawaii really well. And uh, he was beloved on the team. And, and uh, you know, as much as he was a great player, him as a person was just just as much great. And um, yeah, he was a great player. We really, I really enjoyed playing with him. Yeah, he was a really exciting all-purpose back and a perfect fit for the run and shoot offense. I can definitely see why June Jones recruited him. And there was another, there was another really shifty back you guys had. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he he was really good, speedy guy. Nate Lawa. Nate Lawa. Um, I think it was, he was da- my junior year. David something. Well, there was Dave, uh, Nimble? David Farmer, but he was a, a fullback. Maybe. Um, um yeah, I, I can't think of a David. I'm blanking um, on the name. There was a rather, there was another really small speedy guy. Besides- so I think you're maybe talking about Daniel Libre. That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Libre, yeah, he only played, uh, he was a walk-on. He only played, uh, I only played with him my senior year, but he stepped in and had some great moments my senior year. And, yeah, he had wheels. See, that, that boy could move. And he was also one of those great, great, great local, humble, just like Kealoha, they both were very humble. They represented Hawaii, and, and they had a lot of pride, and, and they were terrific guys to play with. Yeah, you know, you mentioned playing with Matt Leinert in high school. Quite honestly, I look at that roster in high school and I'm like, God, that has to be (laughs) the sickest quarterback room I've ever heard of on any high school football team ever. To have two two Heisman Trophy finalists on the same roster at the same time in high school. Um, yeah, it's you crazy got, looking at it. I got and I got a funny story for you. I want you to explain this to me. I heard that you were running the second team, Liner was running the first team, and you actually you took the second team to a win over Liner. And I feel like your dad said something special after that happened. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, basically it was our spring game going into my, our senior year and the way it worked was uh, in, in no pads, but like, it's still very physical. We wear that. We were, we wear those little shell things and maybe we wore the little helmets or maybe we didn't. I can't remember. 
the fake stuff, not not the real stuff. It's kind of like a physical two-hand touch type game. I had the first team defense and the second team offense, and then Matt had the second team defense and the first team offense. And um, we ended up, yeah, I ended up having a great game, and um, we ended up upsetting the first team. Basically, uh, I think after the game or something, my dad said something to the fact like, hey, man, you, you keep this up and you're going to go somewhere. And, um, you know, it was a great moment for me because, you know, I wasn't the guy that really – I wasn't really this highly recruited kid out of high school. You know, I only played my senior year because my sophomore and junior year I was – you know, I, I played JV my sophomore year and then was, you know, on the varsity team as kind of a, a, a backup my junior year oh well, I mean my sophomore year and then my junior year I was his backup he never got hurt or nothing you know and so um and he obviously had this 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 amazing um high school career and he had scholarships coming in from every big school and um but me and him ended up becoming really good friends you know you spend that much time with someone in the the QB room or whatever the case was we became really good friends and we stayed friends uh, all up until this day um about two years, three years ago, I, I went and visited him up at the, uh, the college football studio that he does his show out of. And I got to hang out with a bunch of, you know, former NFL guys. And I, and I just sat around and I watched what those guys do on game day. There's like six TVs up and it's catered and they sit around in their suits and they talk football and then they go out and do their segments. Um, and I got to hang out with them all that day, but. Matt was a great guy. And then I used to, I had a bunch of surgeries and I used to go to Arizona. There's this amazing um, trainer down there, uh, Brett Fisher, and he runs this thing called Fisher Sports. And um, it's a place where you go to get in shape right before mini camp and stuff like that. Or um, if you have certain injuries, he's a, he's a great, great uh, physical therapist as well. And so that was in, um, I believe, Scottsdale, Arizona, right by wherever ASU is. And um, Matt would let me live in his mansion. He wouldn't even be there. He would just, you know, give me the keys and let me stay in his mansion there in Arizona. And it was awesome. It had this giant lake in front of it. And and, and it was this beautiful home. And he had one of those uh, golf things where you can, like, golf on any – where you can hit the ball right into the um, the screen, you know, and it will track your shot. And um, – but, yeah, I used to love being able to stay there and, and – um, and uh, he always took really good care of me. He's always a good friend. And, yeah, those early years, our, our junior and our, our uh, well, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, we were, we were close. We were good friends. And um, one of the funniest things was my mom, we were maybe, he was probably a senior, I was a junior, and we were downstairs. I had, like, a den in the house I lived in, and we were practicing our autographs on a piece of paper. And it's, like, you know, 50 of my autographs and 50 of Matt Liner's autographs. And my mom kept it till this day. She still has it. And, uh, you know, who knew that, you know, it was going to be such a, a, a cool thing to, to keep after all these years. But after me and Matt had a chance to go to the Heisman, Matt won it. Um, she pulled that paper out years later. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I can remember the day we were sitting down there. What about this? Do you like it when I do this? Or do you like it when I do this? You know, and it was such an innocent moment. But it, it turned out to be quite a foretelling moment. Did you get to talk to Matt about Reggie Bush? To this day, to this day, that play that Reggie Bush made against Fresno State, one of the sickest plays I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. No, I Reggie Bush was one of the most 
funnest to watch running backs of, of the college era, and he still ended up having a great NFL career. And um, um, I had a chance my my um, my second year in the NFL. I tore my hip and I was IR'd. And um, the team, the Redskins were going away, so they left on like Thursday. And so I basically had a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, had a four day weekend. And so I flew down to Florida to watch Javon play. And I was, you know, in the tunnel and Reggie came walking by and he said, I said, what up, Reggie? And he came up and he said, what up to me? But he was always really nice guy, really nice to me. I always thought about, you know, that was the game that Reggie won the Heisman against Fresno. I always found it weird when I was in the Heisman, when I got invited to it my senior year. They were like, yeah, but his schedule is so weak. His schedule is so weak. And it was. It wasn't the strongest schedule. But um, but Reggie Bush won the Heisman with playing the, a team in the WAC. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it was just kind of, you know, it was what it was. But but uh, Reggie was a great guy. And, and I got a chance to have some great experiences. Like when I was in junior college, I got a, or no, my, my first year at Hawaii, we were five and seven. We didn't make a bowl game. I went home for Christmas. And Matt uh, and SC were getting ready to play Texas in the Rose Bowl. And I went up to practice and I was watching from the sideline. And Pete Carroll called me out and he's like, here, you just stand right by me today. And that whole practice, he just had me walk around with him and he would teach me about, you know, what concepts of practice they were in. You know, this is a, a, two minutes left to go in the game we're on you know we're in the red zone you know and 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 it was just a great day for me to kind of you know it's like for a day I got to be coached by Pete Carroll and got to realize you know what a great coach he was he was also a coach that was beloved by his team and I think he's a coach that's really enjoyed in the NFL as well but um, I was really blessed to have Matt as a friend and to, to spend a lot of years and I was also blessed for us to have the success we had and um, yeah looking back on it now yeah it's, it's pretty awesome to think about yeah who was your favorite football player, favorite football team growing up, Colt? Well, I love the Rams and the Raiders because my dad had season tickets and he would tell me, you know, Colt, back in those days, season tickets weren't, aren't what they are now. You know, now it's like a, such an investment to get season tickets. But we would go to the Ram and Raider games. And I remember I loved Henry Ellard for uh, the Rams. He was the receiver for them. And uh, I was a big fan of his. I remember watching Jerome Bettis. I can vividly remember watching him play for the Rams uh, that rookie year. And um, obviously the Cowboys were in their run for Super Bowls during my younger years. And and I was on the cow- Cowboy bandwagon for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, my, I think when I was 12 or 13, around that time frame, um, the Ram and the Raiders left L.A. all within like a year of each other. And I kind of felt like, well, I don't have a team anymore, you know? And, and, um, I remember after that moment when the Rams, because I love going to the Ram games and I love the Rams. I remember after that moment, I started just to become a fan of players. And I used to love, you know, rooting for the team that my favorite player was on. That's awesome. I'm curious. Did you guys ever play NCAA football when you guys were at Hawaii, the video game? Oh man, that was nonstop. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. NCAA football is one of the all-time great games. Not only oh, that, yeah. you could have you could have created yourself and and put the uh tin advisor on there too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I've been the game that I've been the advisor, but it was a clear one. But uh but I remember I went to the college football awards my junior year. It was down at Disney World. Basically, uh 
they had EA Sports down there, and they had you know, there's like the meet and greet nights, and like we got to sit down and and I had had this great year, my my junior year, you know, I had the 58 touchdowns, and we had that great run, and and so I sat down and played video game uh, college football against the guy that made it, you know, and I ended up, I think I ended up winning. And I was like, dude, why'd you guys make me so, so, so crappy? You know, obviously I'm here. I wasn't that, you know, and so I gave them a bunch of, a bunch of grief for, for how good they made me. And, uh, the fun part about it was, uh, my senior year, I was, I was rated pretty high in that game. And so I was like, man, you guys better make me sick next year. They did make me pretty good. Uh, that's funny, man. Talk to me a little bit about the DUIs, Colt. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about your your legal stories and uh, just to clear up some of those. I don't, I don't know if I wanted to talk about it, but I will. Um, no, I, I just, ever since the accident, and I've had to deal with a lot of different things in my life and um, traumatic brain injuries, quite, quite a, you know, hard to get through. And I found myself in, you know, losing your career, losing the ability to do what you love and, and then not understanding why you feel the way you do. Um, I reached out for substances a lot, you know, and over these last nine and a half, almost 10 years now. And um, basically, um, you know, I, I found myself twice just making bad decisions, you know, and, and uh, um, when I was uh, uh, years ago, when I got my first one, it was uh kind of right after I learned I wasn't going to be able to play football anymore. And, and, um, just, uh, I look back at the night, the situation, it was so easy to avoid. And, and, you know, I didn't think I was that messed up, but it, you know, I was going 10 miles over the speed limit and the cop was real adamant. And so anyways, I, I, I got in trouble and then I, you know, I dealt with that and uh, went through that process. And then, um, I think this past year, I, I found myself in a pretty dark place. Like I said, I've been having to learn how to walk again. I've been really beat up. I've been suffering a lot of depression, like uh, just issues in life, not being happy and just being frustrated with uh, being such an athlete at one point and now fighting to try and be an athlete again. And uh, yeah, no, I, I found myself making a pretty bad decision one night and uh, I'm paying the price for it. What are you doing now, Colt, uh, job-wise? So I'm in the process. This whole COVID thing has been kind of crazy, especially here in Hawaii. So much has, you know, been turned upside down. But, um, you know, I coached uh, Pop Warner last year, or not this fall, but last fall. And we won the state. Cha- we won the Big Island Championship, and that was a great experience. Um, I was dealing with a lot of medical issues. I got a blood clot on my spine and spent nine, nine months in the hospital. And that's when I had to learn how to walk again and everything. And then um, I, uh, this past fall, I, I had to go back to Oahu. We had to do some work on the house that I own there. And um, I was living out in the country. Basically, I helped coach for Kahuku, um, which is a high school that I won a state championship with years ago, coaching for them. I helped out for a couple of weeks at Kahuku. And then um, basically, though, once this all dies down, you know, I have, my ambition is I, I want to work at a golf course. Um, I think I, I grew up in the golf game. Um, I think that would be great for my recovery because I still got some time until I get uh, the nerves all died in my feet. And so I've been, it's just a slow process for those to grow back. And so I've been basically doing what I can to 
to do the physical rehab and, and the medicines that, that, that can help regenerate my nerves. And uh, it's been a slow process, but it's been, you know, one where I'm getting better. And so I, I had an ambition to um, work at a golf course. You know, I can hit balls every day and then I'm, I'm really good socially. And, you know, it's a game that I enjoy and love. And so I think I'd be good at it. I think I'd enjoy going to work. My plan on approaching the new coach at UH and, and maybe taking some classes and also helping out coaching at UH just as a volunteer type thing. And then um, I wanted to coach again, either high school or Pop Warner out there on Oahu. So I wanted to kind of mix in all, all those things. I love giving back. I love, you know, my life is for people, you know, if it was about me, my own security, I wouldn't want it, you know, and, and that's the way he is. And so I basically just want to go back, get a job once things start opening back up with a golf course, maybe take some uh, college classes and um, help coach both UH and also either Pop Warner or high school. That's awesome, man. Glad to hear that. Yeah. The coronavirus stuff, it's, uh, it's been one of the most bizarre things ever. I mean, it's, uh, it's really unexplainable, you know, like it's turned the whole world upside down, you know? Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it, the next couple of months, things will, will equal their way back to normalcy because, uh, I'll definitely be bummed if we can't watch football in the fall. Do you have weekly doctor appointments? Yeah, I had one early today, but yeah, I'm constantly involved with the doctors. I have blood clots that kind of uh, were a result of both the accidents and, and not doing a good job taking medicines and my lifestyle at the time allowed some blood clots to become pretty problematic in my life. And then I also have traumatic brain injury, so I, I, I do see a, an array of doctors. Sounds good, Colt. Well, you know what? We really appreciate you taking the time, Colt. I, I tell you, I haven't gotten to tell you this, but my favorite interview I've ever had was Chad Pennington. Let me tell you something. You just topped it. So, oh no, I uh, right on. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I can't thank you enough, man. It's it's been an honor, and from college football fans all across the country and the world, we are so grateful that you are okay. You're happy, healthy. Keep your head up, Colt. You're a good man, my man. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and tune in.